Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. Um, I have uh, have known Nathan for boy, how long have we known each other? Probably what five, six years, something like that. Was, I, I was going to say, yeah. MIC, something like that. Somewhere, yeah, around there. and it, probably even before that, yeah. Okay, so uh, so yeah, we've known each other for a while. Um, uh, real estate investor, debt father. Um, you know, I, I can't wait to kind of dig in a little bit more. We did the we were chatting on the call before this for way too long because I was like, man, all of this stuff would be great for the podcast. So I'm going to shut up and we're going to yeah. record. Um, so uh, um, and we have Rourke that has already joined us for the call. Usually somebody will come in midway, but I already have him. So uh, Nathan, for those folks who are listening who don't know who you are, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us about your family um, and your businesses. Absolutely. Yes. And thank you again for having me on. And I love the concept of this podcast. So I think it's amazing. And, uh, and so thank you again for having me on. So I'm, I'm a real estate investor, but I am, uh, I spent my formative years in from fifth grade on learning musical instruments. And I actually played music professionally for more than a decade in my 20s and 30s and uh, conducted choirs all over the country, played in front of thousands of people, had a song on the radio, uh, played in studios. And, and, uh, and to this day, I, I have a huge love and passion for music. And uh, I live in, uh, well, outside of Kansas City. And I have uh, a couple different real estate related businesses. I have a coaching company. Uh, real estate accelerator. We help people get their first rental property and uh, actually teach those nuts and bolts of how to do that. And then we also have our own. Uh, I have a couple different ones. So we have a, a Airbnb holding company. We have a, a long-term rental holding company, and then we have a development company that we build a bunch of stuff, both horizontal, like take raw ground and make into lots, as well as uh, new construction and vertical. So uh, I've done about, you know, a little over a thousand fix and flips and, and new construction builds in my career. And, uh, so that's, that's the real estate side. And that's awesome. Yeah. That's, uh, that's watching you on social and all the different flips you're doing, all the constant moving you're doing, all the, like you've, you've been crushing it. It's been really fun to, uh, uh, fun to watch and, and, um, I wish that we would, I mean, it's an opportunity right now, but get to know each other a little bit more on a different level. Cause just watching you, um, from social media side, it's, it's just been, it's been great. And then obviously, uh, working with you guys a little bit with, uh, with ADPI and all that, it's been, it's been awesome to watch, but, um, I want to, uh, you, you mentioned your childhood a little bit. Let's dig into that a little bit more. Can you tell me about like your dad and what it was like growing up and tell me, you know, what, what it was like with, uh, with Nathan growing up as a kiddo about this age? Oh man. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Uh, my dad and I, if you would have asked me when I was 16 or 18 or probably even, you know, in my early twenties, 
didn't have a great relationship. And I, it was one of those situations where, you know, it was 18 and I was like, I was ready to get the hell out of the house and, mm-hmm. and not be there and not living there. And, and uh, both my parents worked uh, at a hospital for 30 plus years, my mom a nurse, and my dad a chaplain. And I think, I think that he had gave, you know, so much of himself in that role at his work that he had very little at home. And, you know, it's not that they weren't amazing parents and a great dad and, um, or people who loved you, but it wasn't necessarily the same experience of what you wanted, what I mm-hmm. was wanting to experience. And I would say over the last four, five, six years, I'm not sure exactly timeline wise, we've really had a, uh, a renaissance in our relationship and, and spending more time and also just seeing him have more joy in his life. And he's been somebody that's, you know, battled some depression and those kind of things. And it, it runs in my family. It's not something, thankfully, I deal with a lot. Hmm. Uh, and, but it's, it's definitely something that I have observed a lot. And, uh, so yeah. And then I I guess the flip side of that is as a child, I can only imagine what a giant pain, uh, that I was, I was (laughs) first born and, uh, I, I've always marched my own drum and I've always, you know, wanted to create things and do things and, forge my own path and so Mm -hmm. you know i wasn't i wasn't an insane child like doing a bunch of crazy things although i have you know plenty of stories to that too i think it was more of my desire to be in control of my destiny that caused the friction Mm -hmm. uh as well as my propensity for adventure and my dad's aversion to uh maybe the riskier sides of things so, but uh, he's a, he is uh, the first time I ever traveled out of the country was, was with my dad. So all, I have a brother and sister and I went to Venezuela when I was in, I don't know, seventh grade, eighth grade with him and had a lifelong passion uh, for travel. And my parents literally just got back from a two week trip overseas and doing amazing stuff. Not like overseas, like you guys did all the time. <laughs> the fun kind where you drink wine on a cruise and go shopping and visit amazing places. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll pause now and, and I'm sure there's uh, follow-up questions to that. <laughs> oh, baby too. <laughs> uh, now I, I can't hear you. You're muted. That was awesome of me to mute myself right when I'm trying yeah, to tell you stuff, right? That so, was yeah. Everybody's got to do the cameo. We've got the au pair jumping in. We've got Adam jumping in. We've got, there. We go the whole crew. Say hi. Now, anybody who can't see any of this totally needs to go to YouTube to see it all because now we got the whole crew crowding in behind me. But yeah, you got a um, full party. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Get out of here, everybody. Go away. Go away. All right. I need you too. No, you're going to chill with me, Rourke? All right. You got to let daddy talk, though, okay? All right. So, like I like I warned you, everybody's going to have to show up. This is just what happens when I'm recording. Hey. It's part of, it's part of uh, being a dad at home, right? I truly enjoy it. So, um, Good. 
So there's a couple things that I want to uh, tear apart there. One, you and I have very similar thought, like the last four to six years have been uh, life changing for me and my dad as well. Just like, I mean, my understanding of where he came from and how we're able to talk. And I've never seen my dad since he's retired so relaxed and, and have such a, um, a joy about him. I've never mm-hmm. seen that in my dad. Right. So my dad spent a lot of time, um, in, uh, in prison as he likes to tell people. Right. So he, he did, he was a correction officer for 26 years. Um, okay. uh, so not, the he was on the, the correct door. side of the bars. Right. But the what he, every time, like I, I'm I'll go hang out with him in his neighborhood and, uh, um, he's in a retirement community with a bunch of other people on a golf course. Right. Um, so he'll, he'll be walking around and he's like, yeah, you know, uh, I, I'm living the dream after 26 years in prison. This is great to be able to. And then like, <laughs> he loves just to watch people's face. And then he's like, oh, I was in prison. Like, it's just like, that's like, I've heard it like five or six times now when I go and visit and I'm playing golf. It's just, all right, dad, oh yep, I get it. You know, but now he's, he's living his absolute dream. Like he, loves it so he i mean um he's golfing five days a week um and i've never seen him happier and i've learned more about his history as i've grown up that has Mm. really helped me understand kind of who he is um you know but i i always felt that that same thing like he's given so much at work that he doesn't have much left when he comes home Um, yeah and the only thing that was left when he came home oh sorry go ahead you're about to say something what what changed what changed for you guys in your relationship over you know that five year window the last five years how how did that change i think it was me more than anything like i Mm -hmm. he's changed in so much that he's no longer dealing with the prison stuff right so that has helped him but i changed in understanding like letting go of a lot of the stuff that i was holding on to for years because i learned Mm -hmm. more about who my dad is right and it helped me cope with and understand what i felt like i was missing when i was a child like it it was like wow like it's not that i was it, it's more that he didn't have it to give than it was that i wasn't receiving it so mm. it's hard to get something from somebody if they don't have it to give right so yeah. it it was something that i was able to kind of cope with later on to realize all right you you uh, self-centered child like realize that your dad's been through a lot in his life he's gone through a lot of different things and different struggles that you've you've thank god have never had to experience so that allowed me an opening to uh, build the stronger relationship than I ever had with him and to really mm. understand who he is. So, um, you know, it's interesting to me. I've over the last few years, I've, I've worked a lot on trauma stuff. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, the realization that every kid, and by the way, I was bullied mercilessly from basically like middle school or even late elementary school, even all the way through high school, which was, part of the reason I really forged into martial arts over the last, you know, four four or five years as well. It's funny. I keep saying four or five years, but uh, well, it is what it is. Uh, I, but it's, it's interesting when I think about that and you start to look at what that trauma loop is Mm -hmm. and you do some psychology work, you do some self-development work and realize that, Every single person has things that are formulated when you're six, seven, eight years old. And, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and then the realization, and I even coach my team on this too, by the way, Adam. And I literally say like, well, in a very loving way, if it, <laughs> if it comes up, but it's like, Hey, is this, is this the adult Nathan talking or is this the six, eight year old Nathan talking? Mm-hmm. And when we can start to recognize when that shows up and like, Oh, I'm, I'm needing some attention right now, but I'm mm-hmm. not really 
I'm not really consciously like recognizing what's happening. Yeah, that I mean, there's a um, a guy, Dr. Kelly Flanagan. He he wrote a book uh, similar to uh, that talks about this, right? Like every 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 time that we're getting angry at ourselves, and I'm going to butcher kind of what he's talking about, but we're we're really reverting back to our inner child, right? What happened to us when we're as an inner child, right? Where and it's you know not not to go too down to you know to the you know quote unquote psychobabble type of nonsense, right? Uh, but it does happen that way, right? Where if we really start to break it down, something happened at some point that has caused us to think the way we think, to act the yeah. way we act, um, respond the way we respond. And and oftentimes it's, you know, like you were saying, starting at six or seven years old, we're developing a lot of those, you know, a lot of those those habits of those things that are triggering my brain. We were talking about, you know, my oldest with, with some of the schoolwork, right? So yeah. that's going to be something that I'm going to have to break so that it doesn't taunt him later on in life with, with the perfectionism or something along those lines. So um, I'm going to, boy, I want to go a hundred different directions on this, but let's, let's say it, with, with your kids are like, I spend, I don't know if it's too much time. I don't know if, I don't know if there is a way to spend too much time on it, but do you think about the way that you're, you're raising your kids right now so that um, you're not causing some of those problems later on or or how are you kind of showing up for the kids to, or, or thinking about it so that you're like, man, I don't want, um, you know, 25 year old Colin to have to deal with the way that I acted right now with 12 year old Colin. Oh man. I think about it regularly. And there's, have you read David Goggins latest book? Yes. He, uh, he talks about at one point in there and for people who don't know who he is, he's former, special forces guy and was 300 pounds on a couch and saw a commercial for Navy SEALs and went into a recruiter and said, I'm going to figure this out. Hadn't graduated high school without cheating. <clears throat> and uh, his story is pretty incredible. He also has yeah. the the most potty mouth of any potty mouth person I've ever heard before. So if you don't know who he is, forewarned. Um, but uh, he says in the book, that I'm going to deal with the trauma for both me and my dad. And when I think about that, it's like, I have to start with me. I have to start with both the adult Nathan and the child Nathan, and then figure out like, okay, uh, how am I making myself better? And I, and so I've really had to start first with a, fr a frustration of seeing things that pop up with the kids do uh, or blame it on my wife or blame it on somebody else and then realize like, hold on a second, dude, like, what are you doing to make sure that you are showing up the most healthy way? And, and to your actual question, which was, I think no matter what we do, Adam, our kids are going to have something. Mm -hmm. I don't think it matters. So it's like butterfly effects. Like you change one thing and have another thing. And so instead what I've tried to figure out and and be more present too is blank 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 happened now what like so let's do a better job of the other side of the problem mm -hmm. versus the front side of the problem so giving tools to how do we process frustration how do we process fear how do we process something that's hard how do we process uh going in and having a positive mindset so that's that's more what i've really at least in t the today version of me, uh, that's the thing I think about the most. In the today version of me, tell me what that means. Well, I think 
the the five year ago Nathan or the ten years ago Nathan, twenty years ago Nathan. That I think they're all different, and so what I believe to be the most true and the most helpful things I I I, tr- I try to be. You know, one of the things I love about Joe Rogan uh, is that he is a bigger audience than any like news program or you know all news programs in the in the is certainly in the United States. I don't know yeah. internationally. And he's willing to to just be wrong, and and I, I want to be willing to be wrong. And the version of of Nathan today is the person who is learning to understand and listen faster and be more patient. And so that's what I mean by it. And you know the the Nathan of five years from now. By the way, I never talk of my, myself in the third person, but um, you know me in five years, I you know I hope to be a much better person, a much yeah. more understanding person, a much more, you know, all those things, because I, you know, I, I think stagnation is death and, and I, I can't stand the thought of that. That's yeah. That's I, I was hoping that's the route you were going to that. Cause like to me, every day that we're, we're moving, you know, the same thing I tell my, my kids, like 1% better every day, right? If I'm trying to be 1% better, I'm going to be, and, and in seven years, you're literally a completely different person. All of yourselves have all redone yeah, everything. You're, yeah. You're quite literally physically a different person, right? So 100%. If, if I'm physically a different person, um, why can't I mentally be a different person? Why can't I uh, adjust the way I'm thinking about things in those seven yes. years so that I can show up better for my family, show up better for my, uh, my, my job, show up better for my church, show up better for everything, right? I can't, I be yep. a better person. Um, and you know, uh, Two years ago, Adam, you know, to to speak in the third person like you were, you know, uh, yeah. would have would have thought things differently, right? And I I hope that all of us are trying to do that. And that's the same thing I try to tell the boys, you know, because if it's uh, the boys in particular, my job is to teach them to be better men than me. So the only way to teach them to be better men than me is to model how to become a better man. So yep. if I'm sitting here stagnant, then I'm not modeling how to be a better man. I'm showing them how to be a stagnant dude, and that's that's not helpful, right? That's that's the opposite of helpful. Um, yeah. So I love that. Oh, go ahead. I didn't didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, I was just going to say, I I love what, what you said too. And as far as not being a better man also means we are truthful and honest and take ownership when we screw stuff up too. And that's one of those places where I've, it's been a growth edge for me, which means my son's name is Colin. You know, hey, Colin, I'm sorry for getting upset. It was an appropriate response, and I was frustrated in the moment, but it didn't matter because that wasn't the way to respond. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry for doing that. You know, not I'm sorry, but <laughs> you're being a real pain. Yeah. Uh, we can we can talk about the thing that may, maybe needs to be changed, but also like how do we as people do mm-hmm. a better job? Yeah, for sure. That, that, jumps into right what I was thinking. Like you had the blank, blank, blank happen. Now what? Right. And I yeah. just literally had a conversation like that with, with, um, with the boys yesterday, uh, two days ago. I don't remember what it was. I had a not so great day. Um, it wasn't the kid's fault at all. I just, I, yep. I was meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting and not all of them went the way I wanted them to go and everything. Like it was just, it was a not so great day. Um, I was mentally exhausted. Uh, so we were like, okay. And then the boys were doing something. They were, 
being boys, having a great time in their room. Um, yeah. When they were supposed to be going to bed, they were supposed to be sleeping, but mm-hmm. they were having a great time in their room. And I walked in and I was like, enough. And I was, I was angry. I was, I was not in the right spot. Um, and then I sat there for a second and I sat in the room and I kind of looked around and I, and I went up to him and I tucked him in. And I said, boys, that was not about you guys. That was dad not showing up properly. Like, I am very sorry that I reacted to you guys the way I did. And yep. um, like, well, it felt like it was. I said, I know it did. And that's why I'm apologizing. <laughs> I know it felt like for you guys that dad was just so angry at you guys. And that's not, that wasn't the case. Like, I, I just, I, I wanted some quiet. I wanted them to listen. I wanted the, the but what I didn't want was yeah. to ruin my two kids from being able to have fun. Like they're, they're still boys. They're still young. They still want to have fun. Um, and it was uh, man. And that's something that I've been really trying hard to do is that, okay, this happened. Now, how do I make sure that they know that I showed up incorrectly? Hey buddy, I'm talking mm. about you right now. Does that mean you have to leave? Come here. <laughs> I'm talking about how I had to apologize to you the other night. Cause I got upset with you and your brother. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How'd it make you feel? Didn't feel good. Didn't feel good? No. When I yelled or when I apologized? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about when I apologized? Did I do okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Daddy needs to show up a little better sometimes. I'm going to say that Flash keeps chewing on the shoe and I've done the high. I've done the high and tapped his nose at the same time and said no at the same time. And he keeps chewing on the shoe. All right. Well, we're going to have to train the doggy after I'm done recording. How's that sound? I'll help. I'll help after we're done recording, buddy. This is the joys of having a puppy at the house, too. It's I couldn't hear you know, what he said, but I could hear oh, your reactions. Yeah, he he. Oh, I wish he, I should have put the microphone close to him. But uh, but yeah, he was uh, he was saying that it, it it hurt when I yelled at him, and then he was saying that it, uh, it was good that I apologized. And then well, I heard uh, that part. I just couldn't hear okay. the dog. The dog. Oh part. yeah, he's we. He's a puppy, right? So it's an eight week old puppy we just got. And a Belgian um, Malinois, a Belgian Malinois. So, yeah, very excitable dogs want to be involved in everything, want to figure everything out, want to work really hard. Um, so right now we're just got a, I got a little beeping collar so that when he's doing something wrong, I can start to work on some, some training stuff. Um, and he was like, Dad, I, I said no, I said no and beeped, I said no and vibrated, I said no and vibrated and tapped his nose, and he's still doing it. Well, that <laughs> you as eight-year-old Adam have have maxed out what you're going to do. Me as yep. <laughs> as the much as as the dad, I will come out after we're done recording, and we'll we'll see if we can figure something else out. But right, um, also as the experienced dog trainer of exactly what t- Tim Kennedy calls the uh, fur missile of dogs. Oh yes, uh, they are definitely you, the fur missiles. Yes. Do you do you follow Tim? Is that somebody you? Um, I have I have listened to him multiple times. Yeah, follow no, he, but. Definitely he uh, he has a adult Belgian Malinois and um, regularly has his dog. I forget her name, but has has her on the on his on his social media, and he's always posting stuff like, "Don't you want to get her upset? Don't you want to whatever?" And then <laughs> and then like the video of of her like attacking the you know the the what, what do you call the like the, the rap? Yeah, is it yeah? W- w- however the, you train the dog, you know. Yeah. Like that's a yeah. 
Those are serious so dogs. This one is a, is adopted, so or it was rescued. So I'm not allowed to do any of that type of training. I could do the normal training, obedience training, help them. Like I could do like the the frisbee type stuff, where they're you know jumping and diving and doing all this stuff. But I can't do any attack work with them, which I don't really want to. I mean, that's um, I'm trying to let go of that part of my my past, right? So uh, that's what okay. I, I want a dog that knows how to sit, stay, heal, uh, that type of stuff. But I don't need a dog that uh, is a fur missile anymore. Um, Got it. You know, I don't I don't need a dog out there finding bombs in the mountains of afghanistan anymore i think i'm good with that um that's but, a hardcore uh, thing it was uh honestly one of the most rewarding jobs i've ever done in my life um uh it was it was phenomenal so can we can we talk about that for a second sure sure okay so how do you get a dog well two questions how okay. do you get a dog to know how to find a bomb first of all mm-hmm. and then practically what are the steps when you show up and you get out of that Humvee, like, so do you mind just talking through like both sure. those things? Is that, I find them both yeah. incredibly fascinating. So, uh, they are, there are a lot of, and, and it's, it's fun to both do teach all the stuff. So when it comes to training the actual dog, right. Um, uh, a dog's olfactory senses are unbelievably strong. Like, yeah. So uh, let's, let's start by saying that when we, when I make you a cheeseburger, right? And I put all the fixings on it and I hand it to you. You're like, man, this cheeseburger smells amazing. When I hand that same cheeseburger to my dog, my dog says, man, that slice of cheese smells amazing. Those, that, those pickles smell amazing. The seeds inside that pickle smell amazing. That burger smells mm. amazing. Ooh, did, did you put cumin in the burger? That's weird. And <laughs> like, like that's the dog's senses. They break everything up into each minute piece, right? Mm. Um, so when okay. you're training a dog, you're training them to find those minute pieces of different explosives. So um, you're going to start with just the, the one odor. And um, uh, let's picture putting three boxes next to each other, right? And there's a hole in each box. Um, the dog okay. goes in and sniffs, the, sniffs an empty box. And then you have them sniff a box with a bomb in it uh, or that odor, right? It doesn't actually have the bomb in it, but that odor that you're trying to get them to find. The second yeah. that dog's nose hits that box, it gets rewarded whether it's with the Kong, whether it's with the treat, whatever it is that they get, right? And then you do that yeah. multiple times. So now they're associating a reward with whatever was in that box. And then yeah. you start to work on, okay, well, now now they're smelling it and I need them to sit. Now they're smelling it and, and then you're working on, okay, well, now they're getting a this different odor or this different odor. So you're slowly bringing them into actually understanding what it is they're sniffing for. Um, yeah. And then now it's like, okay, well, now you need to sit and you need to stare at me and we need to wait. And then I'm going to draw you off and pay you over here because the last thing I want to do is pay you right next to a bomb and then you blow us up, right? So, um, yeah. so we're we're training them on different things in different scenarios. Um, now, what does that look like in real life when you're actually going out finding bombs, right? So, um, yeah. I've done a bunch of different different things doing that, right? So, it all kind of depends on the mission. Um, we've done like massive cordon and search things in downtown Baghdad where we just shut down an entire block and I go house to house to house and just search. Um, where okay, well, um, we knocked on this door. Um, you know, it, depending on what we're doing, I may have to sweep the door first. Like, okay, the dog sniffs the door. Is there a bomb? Is there a booby trap on the door? Okay, we're good. We open the door. We go in. If it's uh, whatever it is, and then I'm going from room to room. So it also depends on the dog. Some dogs are really easy, like this one here, uh, Carlos, that I had in Afghanistan. Un believable dog um really easy i barely have to do anything i say the word seek and he's finding he's just going and he's just searching everything i just kind of watch him make sure he hit all the spots he needs to hit he hit high he hit low he hit under the bed he hit everywhere his nose just goes to town searching for bombs constantly right. um 
uh, and then I get I get out of there, and then somebody else goes in to do you know whatever whatever they do. So it all depends on the mission. But um, I'll pause there, answer any questions that you have on all of that. But practically speaking, that's generally how the training happens, and then what you do in real life. Okay, yeah, that that's amazing. I have a German short hair and have hunted him quite a bit, and so I have quite a bit of experience. Yeah. You know, kind of on the very, very basic training, but uh, thinking about what that would look like uh, was, is fun to think about. And, and obviously that level of uh, training and also the level of um, uh, <laughs> opportunity for chaos, you know, <laughs> if it doesn't go right, you know, you don't have a, a well-trained dog, you don't have, you know, coordinated admission, you don't have coordinated um timing and pacing and, and the cadence of all the people in and out of those spaces. I mean, that's, that's a real life, real life thing. So that's oh, amazing. Sure. And especially when you look at it, because the, these dogs are also trained to attack, right? So like, Yo, yeah. you, you have, like, you know, you get in the middle of a tick and something goes down and, and, you know, gunfire's going off and, um, you know, a tick that's a, it's a troops in contact. Sorry. I, throwing out acronyms but um, so let's <laughs> say a firefight happens right and all of a sudden you know gunfire is happening the dog's going nuts trying to find bombs so now all of a sudden the dog's going nuts because there's gunfire gunfire going on all over the place and now we're moving from building to building and um you know i <laughs> we were out on what i like to call a camping trip um we just like three days in the middle of the mountains of afghanistan you know uh, hoping around trip. doing stuff uh, it, yeah. was a, it was a camping trip for me and my doggy um <laughs> and my dog bit two people like not it wasn't supposed to it, americans <laughs> operators and he just decided you did something you weren't supposed to one of them was our medic right so um, oh, <laughs> carlos was sleeping in the humvee uh and um uh, we were kind of outside waiting for waiting for something i don't remember but um uh, something fell on top of carlos and the medic was inside and, and pulled it off of carlos carlos woke up to the medic's hand over the top and just right, right on top of the medic's hand and it was like ah oh, son of a god you know so we uh oh, we, <laughs> it was like oh man and then so he's he's in there ah man i'm so i go running in and grab the dog and i'm like ah. he's like nope totally my fault man totally my fault do you need me to take the little lady oh my goodness no i think the little baby's trying to come over you want to come sure i'll hold on to her for a little bit twist my arm come here hi you get to hear daddy's fun stories um so uh um so yeah but the day before that we were he was in the back of a so the humvees that we used um were were very different types of humvees than you normal i mean they, they had no roof um that was wide open in the back there was there's was no front doors um i was with uh uh um, with special operators out there doing their thing i was not a special operator i just got attached to them um okay. and uh so we had different types of vehicles and so my dog's just standing in the back and our combat controller jumps in the back and steps on his paw and gets bit right square in the knee i was like son of a god so like those types of things when you're like that was when there wasn't chaos happening when we weren't in the middle of a firefight, when there wasn't bombs going on. Like, so it was like, man, and Carlos was uh, a, a maniac. He was a very aggressive, aggressive dog that hated everybody. So um, that except made, you. that made life very fun, except me. Yeah. And that took some work. I've got some, I've got some scars on my hand from him. So I believe yeah. it. And I also find it funny. Just every time you keep saying Carlos, I just keep picturing the baby in the uh in the carrier from hangover and uh so every time i think like uh anyway so sorry that was a terrible and um but uh that that's 
Well, okay. So one more question then. So you're sniffing for bombs. All of a sudden a firefighter ups. Then does that the dog's mission change? Uh, yes. So to a point, right? So the dog's mission becomes secondary, right? So that's okay. one of those, um, what's, what's the 10 meter target, right? The 10 meter target, we've, we've got an issue right in front of us that we need to take care of. And it's yeah. not a bomb that's buried a potential for an IED. The issue is we've got bullets getting thrown down range. So, um, we take care of the, that mission. We attack whatever's happening. We, we go through and do what we got to do. And then it's back to, you know, to, to, to the, the other mission right um Got now it. that kind of depends there's a bunch of different scenarios on what what will or will not happen after that but um but yeah the the mission completely changes now now my mission is to make sure my dog doesn't get shot or go nuts or do anything like that and then you know protect yourself protect, your voice. protect myself protect my team protect everybody so yeah yeah, yeah. amazing thanks for sharing that yeah really. um so I don't re- like, wow, we went down a, a wild tangent here. That was fun. Yeah, we did. Um, so I'm going to, that's the beauty about these is I, it doesn't matter. Let's have some, let's have some good conversation. So I'm going to go back and go down a different wild tangent. You said you had a song on the radio. What was the name of that song? Um, first off. Oh, gracious. Really? You don't even remember the name of the song you had on the radio. Come on. You know, you know, what's funny is, <sighs> uh, <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, you know, the blessing and the curse that I have is that I don't retain a bunch of stuff. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't remember. I don't have tons of childhood memories. I don't hold on to grudges. I don't think about things over and over and over. Uh, but the bad news is, of course, like a moment like this where uh, <laughs> just recently, actually, my wife Stacey had shot me a. a, a Facebook post from, you know, 13 years ago mm-hmm. that said, you know, listening to Nathan's, you know, song on the radio. And, uh, but yeah, I really don't remember. Well, now I'm going to have to Google it at some point. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but it was pretty cool. And actually, that's how she and I met. Uh, I was playing out a lot at the time and teaching lessons and selling guitars at a really cool local guitar shop. And, mm-hmm. And she came to this show and they, they called it the homegrown buzz show. And they, uh, you get to play the show. They play your song on the radio. And, um, so it was really cool. It's pretty, it's a pretty unique experience, uh, hearing, hearing, hearing your song on the radio. Yeah. But that's awesome. Uh, yeah. As weird as it sounds that uh, every time I think of somebody hearing their themselves on the radio for the first time, I think of the movie Selena. I don't know if you ever okay. watched that, but I had two older sisters. So guess who watched that with their <laughs> older sisters? This guy. Um, so, <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, they, the celebration they have when they hear her on the radio for the first time. But um, one thing I definitely wanted to hit on uh, to go back again is uh, you mentioned that depression runs in the family, but not something that you have dealt with um, necessarily, right? Um, and then you've mentioned a couple things since then. Um, one, you were bullied a lot. Uh, yeah. Two, um, you started getting into uh, martial arts and fitness. And then three, um, you don't really hold on to a lot of memories from the past. So um, yeah. initially when I heard that, uh, I, I wanted to ask a couple questions about it, but you've opened up multiple different doors to that may lead to why you don't have to deal with depression very much right so i'd like to hear from your side of the house where why is it you think that well, it runs in your family but what is it that you do differently or what is it that you've seen differently or how do you react to things differently that maybe leads to you not having to deal with it as much 
Yeah, for sure. So uh, I have a couple different answers on this and, and also a recent experience too. I'd love to share. I don't know uh, how you feel about it on your podcast, but um, the are there any n- non-spaces that you want to go on the... Uh, I only try to make it kid friendly. So, uh, okay. depending on how that's it, that's about it. And and honestly, dealing with depression is something that we need to be able to talk to our kids about anyways. So, let's see what happens. Okay, cool. Uh it's in the psychedelic world if that that okay. helps. Yep. Um so from a young age, I have just always been positive. And I remember my dad scolding me about something and I, I don't remember the actual thing, but I remember them telling me the story. And it's like, I said, well, you know, just because I am in trouble doesn't mean I can't be happy. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and so I've always just had a, a positive countenance, you know, a positive thinking person. Mm-hmm. And I've also found things in life that I enjoy and whether it was starting to, you know, play piano and, and string bass from fifth grade or, you know, doing choirs and, and getting to travel a whole bunch. I also it was, was very active in church and, and uh, uh, it's changed a little bit for me for, for a number of reasons in the last few years, but I, I w- was a worship leader in largest United Methodist church in the U S for multiple years and, uh, and in a cu- couple other churches as well. And so I always found things to do like and to focus on and to work on and to strive for and and get better and uh we put on live events as an 18 17 year old for you know thousands of kids would show up and so we just we were on this general youth council thing and there's like a dozen kids and we put on a freaking you know huge huge youth events for thousands of people in these you know in in uh kind of the whatever that city's you know big event center was Mm-hmm. And so I always looked for that leadership. I always looked for that opportunity to have an impact. And of course, now having done a disc profile and a enneagram and a, you know Myers Briggs and disc or and um, predictive index, I now know I'm that you know high D driver in in disc. You know I'm a 99D, 99I. You know S and C are both all, you know super low. I'm a mm-hmm. maverick and PI. So I, I want to do stuff and I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. And so I think that part, uh, but I was also af- terribly afraid to be in a fight or, you know, I, I just wanted to be friends and, and, uh, you know, get along with the other people. And, and so that was kind of the rub for me on the, you know, getting bullied is like, can't we just be friends? Like, I just want to be nice and you be nice and we can uh-huh. both be nice together. And so I, that, that was the hardest part, I think. And, but I, I never dwelled on the negative. And I think people who deal with depression, they, they are willing to dwell and fester and suffer in that. And that is such a horrible place, in my opinion, to, you know, operate from. And so, you know, I, I hear this all the time from people say like, well, I just have to, you know, deal with the problem, which really, you know, uh, it's going to take time. And what I really feel that means is like, I'm cool suffering in this thing instead mm-hmm. of working on it, naming it, dealing with it, letting go of the emotion of it. And it's a very stoic thing for me to say, but, uh, and, and 
and not allow it to impact the next decade of my life because yeah. you know something bad happened. Yeah, I uh, uh, I I have a firm belief in that side of it as well. Like it it's if every time I've stuffed something down and said I could just deal with this, right? It's always turned out to be worse. Um, yep. Then when I just face it head on, deal with it, like, like like you said, name it, talk about it, put it out there, like, don't don't let it own you, own it, don't let it own you, right? Yep. Uh, realize that everybody's going to have problems, right? Um, uh, but I was I was similar in in the fact that I was always positive, very active. Um, I grew up in church, the whole nine yards, and it, it I I did not put on shows for thousands of kids, though. That's not something <laughs> I did. I went to those shows with the other thousands of kids, but I never yeah. I never uh, never put it on, but. Um, uh, so, do, boy, I, I, I want to pull a little bit more on that string and kind of go through, cause like there's, there's one thing of, of, of just, um, knowing not to focus on the negative, but if, if you're around people who are doing that a lot, right. And you said that, you know, that people in your family have, have been dealing with that. How did you pick that skill up or was it just kind of who you have always been? That's an interesting question. Well, I think from from an earlier age, I definitely had a predisposition to being positive and 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 a happy, you know, happy, genuinely happy. And and even to this day, like I, I am not really. I I I, I, I won't say it as a negative. I'll say it, I, I'm always looking for something fun to do and obsess about. And so, you know, right now it's playing golf and it's building my company and it's, you know, but it's been playing guitar or it's been running my tractor and chopping trees down and whatever. Like it doesn't have to be something crazy. Uh, although I like doing crazy stuff too, mm -hmm. uh, but it's something right. And, and when we have something to focus on that we, well, this was the number one lesson. So as I got older, I started working on that self-development and that personal development and the psychology and these things and <clears throat> realizing that whatever we focus on is what we create. So if you're going to focus on being upset and being wronged and life is so tough and this thing is so hard, uh, <laughs> that's all you're going to create. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you don't do hard stuff, then you also don't uh, inoculate yourself uh, to experiences that are going to be difficult. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're not doing those hard things and, and making yourself work through that and making yourself mentally stronger, uh, for instance, like in high school, we had, you know, uh, a choir thing. We, we do, we'd do uh, Handel's Messiah, a whole section of this. And so in front of your whole high school, and all your peers, you know, for multiple years, I got to, you know, sing a solo in front of, you know, thousands of people in your own peers as a high school kid. And, you know, and I would, I would fully believe the same thing as, you know, being on the football team and, you know, going, going to play on a Friday night. And so you putting yourself out there, being in a situation that you're vulnerable, being in a situation that requires, you know, I remember sitting at a piano in my first talent show and they, you could hear the pounding of my foot from being so nervous that you could audibly hear the sound of that foot on the pedal, but there's no way to not be nervous in front of people without doing it. There's no way to, be, you know, be, be able to work through hard problems without doing them. 
And so I just, I fully have, have embraced that and worked on myself. And, and when the, sh- when the fear shows up or the frustration shows up, it's like, okay, well, hold on. Why? Like what's causing that? And then dig back after that, that same feeling, that same, that same thing. Yeah. I think that goes back to what you talked about as well. Like we're, we're going, like we're going to do something that is not helpful for our kids, but being able to face it and go through it is what it is. Right. Yeah. So um, are you trying to expose your kids to, to hard things to be able to build that resilience in them as well? What, what are you doing to have that show up in your kids? Absolutely. Well, so one of the things my kiddos do, uh, they're both actually in ballet. And so Kansas city ballet has this <clears throat> whole school that, that kids come from literally all over the country and train. And it's a, a feeder program into the, um, into the, the actual ballet, like professional ballet. And so literally from age, I don't know, five or six, uh, my wife would be better on the number than me, but, uh, they've gotten to perform practice and perform in this school. And then they've performed both now on stage in front of thousands of people with the Kansas city symphony, the Kansas city ballet and do the nutcracker and other performances. And so not only do you, are you in with your peers, but you're literally, you know, (laughs) it's crazy even for me to think about because, you know, people are paying, you know, hundred bucks a ticket to go see the ballet for three weeks. And my kids are on stage every single night, you know, they have to practice, they have to perform, they have to make it, they have to audition. You have to show up and deal with the pressure of literally being under the lights under uh, on stage Mm -hmm. and uh, doing something at a high level. And so, uh, and we live on 12 acres, right? So like, Hey, we want to have a campfire. Guess what, son? We're going to go cut some wood and we're going to go, you know, haul it over here and we're going to go you know, do these things. And so, uh, I have that expectation, but I also am learning like right now, teaching my daughter to ride a bike. She's not wanted to do it. Uh, and she, we've, we've kind of had a, she had some bad experiences early on learning. And the first time trying to get her back on this bike and, and bike. I was getting frustrated and I'm, and I'm like, Nathan, you are not helping her <laughs> at <laughs> all. Like at all. And, uh, you know, tears multiple times. And so we go out the second time and I'm just like, in the first time it's like, we're going to get this. This is this, you know, we're I'm like, okay, hold on. This, this is not working. So I'm like, okay, Grace, 10 minutes. I don't even care what we do. You're not going to complain. We're going to have fun. You're going to ride the bike. I'm not even letting go. Don't worry about it. And lo and behold, goes twice as good. She she mm-hmm. bikes for twice as long. She's still not super comfortable, but you know it went a whole lot better when I relaxed. Yeah. So anyway, there's a lot of talking to your question. Uh, and yes, I I'm, I want them to work on that. Nice. Yeah. I think that exposing them to, again, those challenges and hard times is the only way to make it happen. Especially, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people that are, are successful and it's like how some of the things that have made people successful is the hardships that they've gone through um, when they were younger. And how do we make sure that our kids go through hardships when they have it completely different than we ever did growing up, you know? And it's like, boy, what, what do I need to do? But um, we can create hardship in one way, shape or form. Um, 
so it you know it doesn't need to be you know uh, being treated poorly or you know um, having you know having to you know, get food stamps or anything like that it doesn't have to be any of that but um, no. there could certainly be hardship that we put our kids through and and you know help them learn from so um, yeah and, it, good on and you I that. think it's like th- that's what life is life life has things that are hard and and so we we know as adults and business owners and you know whatever the job is whatever the performance is whatever the thing is it's there's going to be hard stuff mm-hmm. and so yeah how can we make it normal for them by you know and there's no way to do it other than doing hard stuff and talking about how it feels and how it's scary and working through it yeah yeah completely agree i think that uh and i enjoy doing the hard things with them as well so if i could find something to do with the kids that is difficult you know i don't care if it's you know for my four-year-old going and climbing a tree first off i yeah. like climbing trees i'm still a boy um yeah, in my heart fun. i still you know so they're a lot of fun so as long as my back and my knees are letting me do it i'm climbing that daggum tree we're making this happen so i like <laughs> but uh um but you no know, i think exposing them to that type of stuff is great we've been um uh trying to go on as many adventures my son really wants to go camping right now too um which i really want to drag him out there and do some like legit camping and like this is how to start a fire this is how to make your own food on the fire and this is like this we're going to go out and do some some fun stuff you know um i think that's going to be part of homeschool this year we're going to have a a good camping trip for for part of homeschool but that um, sounds epic well you know funny enough i so i didn't grow up doing this kind of stuff camping and going out i didn't go grow up hunting and I think that's been the other part of my mission as I gotten older. I was like, I want to be a Renaissance man. I want to mm-hmm. know how to do all this stuff. I want to have all the skills, I, uh, you know, as best as I can. And uh, so, like in three weeks, I'm literally headed to the backcountry of, well, I guess maybe six weeks, backcountry of Idaho, and they literally bush plane you in. It's probably nothing compared to being in the military, but bush plane you in, you hop on a horse and you literally ride for six hours to camp. And for the next seven days, you're in the backcountry, horseback elk hunting. So, Oh, that would be so awesome. That, I mean, I, I live for that stuff. Yeah, that would be phenomenal. I would really enjoy the heck out of that. That'd be great. Yeah. Yes. I've I've never been, you know, I always grew up wanting to hunt and wanting to do all that stuff and I literally have never done that. Um uh I, but that has always been one of my things. Like we were out in um, Montana last year last summer and just walking around the mountains of of Montana looking around and seeing all the oh. animals and seeing all the stuff. I'm like, man, I just I love being out in those areas. And it was a uh um a, a mastermind uh, that i'm in go abundance that that's uh, there's a family portion of it called fan abundance and we were out there and like they were teaching the kids how to light fires and like what it is about some certain survival things and having fun and it was just god i love it like i just love to be around all of that stuff and now i'm in florida so that's not like a <laughs> i'm gonna have to drag my kids to go get uh, go get any mountains or hills or <laughs> anything besides sea level but um but man that sounds awesome i'm gonna have to look into that I share the same affinity for Montana too. Montana, Utah, yeah. Idaho. I mean, gorgeous. That whole mountain, you know, they're just, there's nothing when they call it big sky in Montana, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. amazing. And that's where we were. Yeah. It, have you, uh, um, do you snowboard ski, anything like that? Uh, so I ski, uh, it took, I, I skied a, quite a bit in like high school and early college. And then I actually, two years ago, 
wind skied and last year adam for the first time i own my own skis now and uh have a epic pass for this season so my goal uh with my son uh we'll do a few days as a family my wife and daughter are not so excited about this uh but my goal is to ski like 15 or 20 days at least this this season nice yeah uh, yes i snowboard and i've tried i i first learned to ski and i was in like i don't know sixth grade or something like that this before really snowboarding was a thing thing. you know um yeah uh so i i did some skiing then and then i learned how to snowboard later on and then um I just kind of stuck with that. I loved snowboarding and then my knees started to have a harder time with snowboarding. So then I tried skiing again and what kind of, so I do a little bit of both. It depends on how I'm feeling that day. Right. But, um, but man, we, we went out to uh, park city and that is such a beautiful place to go snowboard. That is literally where we skied uh, multiple times this season as well. Same. It is. I mean, I I've been out to Tahoe, been to park city. I've been out to um, Montana. I've been out a bunch of different places and park city was one of my favorites just because like, Hey, it's close to the airport, which is great. B like, you're just like snowboarding through all these beautiful houses. You're going underneath cars as they're driving over you. Like there's just, it's just such a beautiful layout. It's so much fun. I had a great time. Um, Yeah. But that was one of those things that teaching the boys. Yeah, definitely amazing. But uh, teaching the boys and, and soon to be obviously the, the little lady. um, Um, like it's, it's the same thing I've taught them with, with with dirt biking, right? You are going to get hurt, but the last I, I do not want you to stop at the painful part, right? You need to yeah. stop at the successful part. So with snowboarding, you're not going to stop because of a crash. I mean, obviously, there are some crashes you just got to stop from, right? Uh, right. If, if you snap your leg in half, we're not going to go, well, buddy, you got to get back on and, and you're going to end in a non-painful spot because <laughs> that's just going to get worse, right? But uh, within reason, we're not stopping at a painful moment. We're stopping at a, at a joyful moment. When you got back on and you went back down a little bit more, I don't care if there's still tears in your eyes, you're going to go down a little bit more um, yeah. because I want you to to feel that success behind you and don't have the last bit be that be there so um i think we were in tahoe i think we were in tahoe and uh i was trying to teach uh te- no no we were in japan so we were out in uh, nagano japan and i'm trying to teach adam he's four years old on a little batman snowboard and i'm trying to teach him how to snowboard <laughs> and i've never taught anybody how to snowboard i'm by far not an expert but here i am trying to teach a four-year-old how to snowboard on a batman snowboard um <laughs> Uh, which is I mean, if awesome. you're gonna learn you might as well learn on a batman snowboard i uh, know and it's 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 made by burton so it's built just for little kids the burton snowboard with batman on it and it's phenomenal and now Sweet. it's now it's going to be his little brothers but um uh but he's just going to town having a great time and, and then he is not having a great time suddenly like he is angry he's not happy he keeps crashing he can't stay up i've got like this little rope thing i'm trying to use and that's failing us miserably it's getting all tangled up and tripping up both of us and i'm getting angry and i was like boy i am not showing up well right now for this situation yeah. and uh but man it we we did the same thing like nope we're gonna we're gonna get a good run in and then we can call it quits from there um so we got a good run in and then he was like i'm not done i'm not done we're gonna keep going <laughs> so then we just kept going and going and going and i i mean it was at a point where i was at the, they didn't really have a bunny hill but i would just keep walking up the hill and just let him go and have him go down and then walk him up the hill and let him go and have him go down he was just loving life loving it um, but man he wanted to quit so bad um but uh, and so did i don't get me wrong i really wanted to, i was i was mad but you know it, it is what it is he, he had a great time he still loves to snowboard wants to he's been trying to skiing as well but man it was um i love it i think it's so much fun puts me out in the mountains gets me out outside having fun with the kids totally totally 
A hundred percent. Me too. Um, so let me, I'm going to ask a couple business type questions here. I want to go down that, that route. So you do a bunch of real yeah. estate stuff. How did you go from, uh, uh, playing in bands, being a, uh, worship leader, worship leader for the, um, for the church, uh, to, Hey, now I own multiple businesses. I've, I've got a bunch of flips. I'm doing all this business stuff. How did, how did all that kind of come about? Well, I think from a high level, they, it goes from that same person who's driven and wants to figure stuff out uh, to, to just like, you know, throwing myself into doing it, which is what I've done, you know, with, with everything in my life. Uh, I heard, you know, the, the rich dad, poor dad. I remember there being like commercials on the radio, reading the book, going to like the first, you know, level of, of meeting and hearing some guy talk about making a bunch of money and, <laughs> you know, all those things. And, uh, and then, you know, buying my first sets of homes, going through bankruptcy in 2009 after having not done a good job, uh, trying to figure out my way back and going back through buying my first property in 2012 and, you know, 2015, I somehow end up on bigger pockets after doing a handful of deals and become friends with Brandon and, you know, it, which kind of explodes the doors off my business again. And I scroll, grow and scale this, this company where you make the Inc 5000 list and we're doing tens of millions a year. And, and then all of a sudden realize this isn't what I want it to look like either. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, from August of 21, really to today, you know, or certainly the beginning of the year, 23, uh, really morphing that thing in, from this big giant business, you know, back down to something much, much smaller. And, and, uh, so it's been a really interesting journey and I didn't want to just give you the, the, the pat answer. I like it's, I think people get into real estate and they think, they just want to go, you know, own a bunch of rentals or own, you know, a bunch of apartments and they miss all the minutia in between that is like appraisal didn't come in right or the contractor, mm -hmm. you know, took forever or the bank said no, or gosh, you need to bring a hundred grand to close this in three weeks or, you know, your house just got lit on fire and you had a $160,000 rehab that you just did that, uh, you know, it's gone and the, and, and you're going to have to redo it again. And so, uh, I've really changed what I want out of it over the course of that, but it, it, it was the rich dad, poor dad story from the beginning. I, so I, I went through a change in my desires on, on the real estate side. So I, I, I'm curious to hear how it, how you got to that, right? You're doing tons of deals. And then how did you get to the point where you just said, man, I, I, I need to, so for me, I think that a constant assessment of what we're doing needs to, needs to be happening, right? We yeah. constantly being aware of our, why is our, why still the same as it was? Like, are we still chasing the same things? Do we need to adjust what we're chasing? All the, all the stuff, right? Um, yeah. so what was your process like to go, okay, we're doing all of this stuff. I'm having successes. Yes. I'm having struggles. Yes. The property is burning down. Yes. These things happen in, inside of this, but, uh, what was it that kind of made you go, no, I, I really need to, you know, start morphing this into that smaller version. Um, uh, instead of continuing to chase what you were chasing. Yeah. Well, 
I'll also one caveat to that is I, I recognize I always feel drawn to solve some mission, which sounds like a very military thing to say, but uh, I, I am more fulfilled with a big problem to solve. And so mm-hmm. what I realized was we built this big, big company, but I wasn't loving it anymore. I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. And we built so big that we had to do so many deals and you know multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars a month to just break even and cover your overhead is not a fun place to be and so you know it's like all right this cannot be <laughs> this cannot be the thing that i spent all my time on to build and i don't you know i i have a lot of free time but i'm not making the money that I wanted to make and I have this headache of this giant overhead. And so we, you know, I remember the day distinctly that uh, we fired half our staff basically in two days. And uh, I am a lover of people and uh, uh, like sat there in tears, like, you know, conversation after conversation is like, you know, you you've been on this journey to help us build this company, but ultimately what we built isn't what I wanted to build. And so we have to, we have to make a change. And, uh, and so now I, I want to do bigger deals that have, a you know, take less people. I've really focused on joint ventures and, and, and I, we've made way more money doing way fewer deals. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's just made a, such an impact, and have more more mental space to do more, you know, have more time with your family, do yeah. more fun stuff than being stuck and, and stressed. Uh, but the truth is, there's seasons to all these things too, so you can't have one without the other. Yeah, I, I love that. It the the seasons things is is definitely true, but I think that. We can drag ourselves through uh, a season, even though it shouldn't be that time, right? You know, and it, it's yes. it's that that assessment to make sure that you are going down the right path. Um, recently, I was listening to Ryan Pineda talk about something, and um, uh, he was talking about how we'll tell ourselves, "Oh, we're doing this for our family. We're doing this for our family. We're doing this for our family." Yeah. But then we're gone, you know, for, fourteen hours a day. Are you really doing it yeah. for your family, or are you doing it because you're telling yourself you need like? And for me, it's unbelievably important to be with the family, and 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 chasing that down um, has made me adjust my goals, my dreams, my thoughts unbelievably. Right? I yeah. you would have asked me five years ago that you know, hey, are, are you ever going to homeschool so that you can um, do that? Not a chance. I need to have that time so that I can you know start chasing more apartments and start doing this more with the business and start to like, but. Ultimately, it comes down to what is more important in my life and more important things in my life, God, wife, child, or children in my case, right? So yeah. God, wife, and children. So I need to be able to, to be there for them. And it's not making millions of dollars or all the stuff, you know. Um, sure, that's going to come and that's great. And we're going we're gonna to be able to be successful in business. But if I'm successful in business, but I've lost my family, then was I really successful? Like, I mean, no. it's, there's no point in it. It's it's like that moment in the Iron Man movie when uh, Tony Stark's about to get out of the cave and he's built that big giant thing, and the guy who helped save his life, you know, says like Tony Stark, a man that has everything and a man that has nothing, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I I, I don't want to be that person. There's no level of success or money that equals that, and I think sometimes it's hard in the moment, aspirationally, for us to 
be honest with ourselves mm-hmm. where the aspiration is versus where the you know filling time and space for yourself versus actually honoring that desire to have all your the time with your family i, I know i struggle yeah. with that for sure yeah i, th- I think it's um it, i think everybody that i've talked to on this podcast has struggled with something like that right because we yeah we all want to drive for success and we all want to be good dads so it's like how how do we and when i'm when i'm talking to people before the before the podcast prepping for this i'm you know I, I, talk well let's chat about how how you kind of balance that and it's such a misnomer like balancing like there's there's no such thing as balance when you're talking no. about you know doing all this stuff but you know it's how do we make sure that we're not screwing our kids up how do we make sure that we're showing up for our kids um for me part of showing up for our kids is still you know as 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 a christian somebody who believes that i'm the the leader of the family i do need to go and support them i do need to have a job and bring in the income and do all the stuff but yeah. I still need to be a present dad that teaches them and guides them and shows them what it's like to, you know, be a present father. So, man, finding that balance has been, again, a misnomer, not not something that I've been able to fully, fully jump on. But yeah, I, th- there's a term that I like. Uh, I can't remember who I heard it from. I think maybe my coach, Gary Harper, but uh, it's it's a managed tension. Like it's mm-hmm. it, it it's not. There's no balance. The balance doesn't exist uh, in yeah. this way. I don't think. And and I, that's why I like to think about it in seasons and and working very hard for a quarter or for six months and saying like, hey, are we all in on this? Is this what what we're solving? And and to also say, okay, well, what is the time uh, worth that we're giving up here? But then also, what are we doing? in return after that time so mm-hmm. we have that hu- hustle season uh, uh, but then we're going to do something fun and we're going to spend some more time doing something else and uh, make sure that you know, here's the other thing too is that 10 years ago i didn't appreciate now what i appreciate what it looks like to have great people who work in your organization and so now and not that i didn't appreciate them but I didn't really appreciate them. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And, and also having a better understanding of how to delegate. And I think as a business person, if you're thinking about building any sort of business, real estate or otherwise, there's a great book called Who Not How. And you think about who are the who's that we need to have. It sounds like a, a children's book, uh, but uh, who are the who's? <laughs> the who's uh, in Whoville. Yeah. The who's in Whoville. Uh, who do we need to have around us? And mm-hmm. so, as I have gone through kind of this third iteration of business and, and life, I have found, you know, people with more, more uh, closely uh, related core values that have the drive that I have, but that also have a very diverse set of skills. And rather than, you know, hoarding money, like finding ways to say, how can I actually help you make more money than anybody who worked for me before, but also in return, you hold a higher level of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's one of those moments that we can recognize we can't have all the things. We can't have the control and the money and the business and the time and the whatever. So it's like, okay, well, let's be specific what it is that we actually want and then we can actually create it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. And to me, who not how? If you, if somebody was listening and did not write that down, write that down. I love that book, right? And I, I mean, me it it's it's one of those that um, 
you could apply in your personal life, you could apply in your business life, you could apply in any any number of places. Who not how makes makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. Um, but one thing you mentioned, and I'm trying to, oh, I wrote it down. Oh, hustle season. I wrote it down for a reason, right? Um, when you're when you're having one of those seasons of of hustle, right? What kind of conversation do you have with the kids, with the family, um, to be able to say, hey, I, like this is this is a time where I need to buckle down and do this types of thing? How do you have those conversations, or how do you prepare the family for that hustle season? Um, because we all know it's going to it's going to be a little painful for everybody. So how how do you um, approach that with the family? Yeah, you know. I- I think well, and so we we homeschool also. And when I say we, I mean mainly she, my wife, mm-hmm. um, she, her three undergrads and a master's of technology and education really did <laughs> add some level of you know skill and ability in that department. Under statement of the year, uh, <laughs> so you know, and and so I would say five or six years ago. Seven years ago, we we were you know well pre COVID homeschoolers mm-hmm. and. So my kids have never been in public school. Uh, you know, my son almost thirteen, daughter almost ten, and so we were built already as a family unit. To you know, I work from home. We homeschool from home. They, you know, but it was more about now. Hey, we need to make sure that these things now because dad's business has changed and I have to put this focus on this is what the time looks like this is what the commitment but my commitment also to you guys is how can I help whether it's you know in in time of running kids to practice or whatever it is or uh keeping that commitment of of date nights with my wife or my kids and also working from home is a blessing too. It's a, such a mm-hmm. huge blessing because, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning and like one of my kids rolls in with a, you know, cup of uh, tea. I don't drink coffee, but a uh, cup of tea or whatever and get to hug them or my daughter will sit. You can't see, but there's uh, all these perler beads that are at my table right over here. And so, you know, she'll be in here. We'll be hanging out and I'll be working and she'll be working. And uh, so, and it, and it's also just finding the joy in the moments too. So I, I think a lot of times it's not just not being present for longer periods, but the harder thing for me is, oh gosh, I just worked 12 hours today, but now am I going to be an engaged father mm-hmm. in the time I do have and m- making sure that that is. So um, the other piece that's changed too is we're in the process right now actually of hiring somebody in to help in in our household which sounds pretty crazy but um to help do grocery shopping to help clean the house to help mm-hmm. um sh- who also happens to be an absolutely insanely amazing chef and so i took and we took the decision of saying all right well we're going to actually spend some money on someone who's going to save some time and frankly i think we'll save cost in groceries when mm-hmm. you know flying to the grocery store and trying to do stuff versus somebody who's focused on who not how loves mm-hmm. to cook loves to help wants to support and so how do i also in the season of hustle not just add stress to my wife and add stress to my kids but how do i you know take that take away some of that as well awesome and i, I think that yeah, i heard somebody recently talking about uh we we do what we can to do a who not how for a lot of our business stuff and what we're doing have when was the last time we thought about that for our wife how can we replace something you know like maybe it's bringing in a cook maybe it's bringing in that that uh um 
that person to clean the house more often. Maybe whatever it is, like how can we how can we put a who in our wife's life um, yeah. so that they don't have to figure out how to do it, right? Like my wife is still military. Like there's a lot of like she would love to be able to do a lot of this stuff. There's no way like when she works, you know, 10 hours a day and then she wants to still be a mom. So I've got to figure something out. So we, we have somebody come and clean the house. Like there's right. no like. I gotta have. I I need to have a wife, you know, and uh, I would yeah. like to have her. I'd like to have her present once in a while, you know. I I enjoy her uh, her company, um, uh, but yeah, I think that that's uh, that's super wise, and I, I I think that so the hustle season for me has been has been always been a struggle because like it, I I keep balancing in my head because um, uh, I know we're, we're going to have hustle seasons, and I know I I need to be able to do those. Um, uh, but I've, I have such this struggle of, of the reasons I left the military. Like, yeah. I want to always be there as much as I can. So if it's a hustle season, how do I really balance that, that desire to always want to be there with my kids as much as humanly possible, have them in this, in this room all the time. I mean, they've shown up on, if you're watching on video, they've shown yeah. up like 50 times since we've been uh, <laughs> recording. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I've muted it so that you can't hear them sometimes not. Um, but, uh, uh, but I, I always want that, but there are times where I can't have that because I, I need to be so focused on what's going on and try to try to engage more and try to do all this stuff. And it's just, man, it's difficult. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's a question in there or not. It's just it's been it's been something I've been struggling with myself on on that yeah. on that front. You know, I think when your kids are a little younger than mine, so I think that has a different feeling to it too, because it's hard to tell your four year old like, "Hey, I'm I'm trying to work on this project. Yeah. You know, can I tell you about it? I I need to put a little focus time." And instead, you know, for me now, it's more of having an honest conversation. And you know, it's funny. I was. I start every day, by the way, with, with, uh, I go for a walk. I, I have written gratitude, written focus for the day, and I track everything every day too. So I'm, I'm very intentional with, with every part of my, my life, but I, I'm walking with my daughter and I'm like, I ask her, Hey, Grace, you know, where can, where can I do better? So I just ask her just, you know, randomly on a, on a walk. And, uh, and she's kind of perplexed. She's like, well, I'm like, no, seriously, like, I, I want an answer. I want a real answer. And she said, you know, you work too much. And, and I said, okay, well, tell me what it would look like. Like, what does it look like to, ha to not work as much to you? Because mm -hmm. that's the other thing, too, is having that present time. Like, she is super happy and as soon as we get off this podcast by the way she's literally i it's daddy daughter we're we're hanging out nice. so uh she is just as happy literally cuddled up on the couch you know watching a movie or something it doesn't have to be any any sort of thing it doesn't have to be at cost and so i think it's it's really recognizing what is the thing that that they you know wife kids whatever are actually asking for mm -hmm. And then how do we actually serve that versus this feeling of like, gosh, I need to, you know, insert this amount of time or this sort of thing or whatever. It's like, instead now I just like, I'm going to ask what, what, what actually makes a difference? What mm -hmm. do you need from me? And how can I better serve you as your dad, uh, as your, as your husband, whatever. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, uh, with my oldest, I've tried that question and it, I mean, he's eight. So my old, like, it, it is a little bit more difficult to pull that type of thing out um, on what I can do better. 
Uh, because yeah. there's also that that piece of him that just wants to please dad, and it's always no, dad, you're an amazing father, you know. Of course. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I am. I mean, let's go. Yeah. Tell me where <laughs> you know if you had to be picky about it, you know, where where would you you know? And that well, tends to be the the common theme is you know working, you know, and it's like, well, do, do you like living in a house? You know, I know. Do, you, do you like having air conditioning, <laughs> <laughs> running water? Uh, you know, you know, I I think. The other way we can ask those questions, and even with a younger kid, is is like when you feel most loved with your mm-hmm. dad. Mm-hmm. Like, when you feel most loved, or uh, what is the most fun thing you can remember us doing together? Uh, or you know, if you could do something every day with me or us together, you know, what would that be? And so I love structuring those questions and the things we learn from. psychology and and you know coaching and sales Mm -hmm. and you know there's another great book never split the difference everyone should read that book it is a brilliant book uh is we take those same tools and we apply them like actually apply them to your life so uh i i really try i try very uh consciously to do that so uh, use it, applying them to your life. So I have been recently going down a path. Like I've, I've, I've read like I don't know a ton of books, a couple hundred books, right? Um, and uh, recently just saw something where it was like instead of reading reading a thousand books, read a hundred books ten times, right? Um, yeah, you know, and it, it's like okay, well, I'm already past that hundred books. Which ones do I need to go back and listen to? And then I've also been struggling on the implementation of a lot of this stuff, and I'm trying to like balance my calendar, balance my um, uh, everything that I'm doing, and try to like be much more. I know I can be more efficient than I am. I'm struggling with some efficiency at the moment, and part of it is like okay, well, you listen all these books and you know all of this stuff, but what are you doing to implement it? So, what has been your um, your way to implement those things that you've listened in the books, whether it's inside your family, inside your business, whatever it is, how have you um, started to implement a lot of those things that you're listening to or, or reading, I should say? So I average probably a book or two a week. Um, and I, I really focus on... And, uh, okay, there's a couple of things. So first of all, I walk every morning. So when if you hear that, it's like, okay, well, how, how are you reading a book a week? Well, I average between, you know, on average, three to five miles uh, per each morning. You know, so I'm, I can do, you know, about an hour and 10 minutes. I can walk, you know, three, three and a quarter, three and three quarters miles. And so you figure at one and a half speed, one and three quarters speed, I'm literally listening to a full book on average in, you know, three, four, five days. And I realized that, and, and by the way, I am also going through all my favorite books that made the biggest impact for me right now. So I'm going through all of them, even sometimes two or three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so recently I've, I've uh, read $100 million offers, $100 million leads, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, or no, not Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, uh, Profit First, Never mm-hmm. Split the Difference, Traction, psychology and money. Uh, I'm listening to that one right now. And I just try to take away one thing. Just take away one thing. And for me now, especially, and by the way, I have 191 titles in my 
uh, audible. So I was curious. Mm -hmm. And, and I know people talk about, you know, having a physical book versus a, you know, audible book or whatever. And uh, a lot of times if it's something I'm really working on, I will listen to audible while I read the book. So Mm -hmm. I'm that weirdo, but I think that the, the book part is just simply taking away one thing. So for instance, in traction, I'm, I have two new director of operations, one on my coaching side and one on my real estate side. And the one thing that I wanted to walk away was when the last time I implemented traction and the last time I did this in my business, what was my biggest pain point and how can I do it better? In my, in my one pain point, the biggest pain point was how do I get the information that's in this thick skull of mine mm-hmm. into somebody else's the fastest, most efficient, most simply, most eloquently, most uh, best in the least amount of time. And that question has led for me to also then serve my students on my coaching side better too, because if I'm better on my real estate side and how we operate and how I teach that to my people, then I can take that same thing to my Mm -hmm. students, right? Uh, And so, that is a beautiful thing. On the sec, do you anything you want to talk about in that? Yes. So, one thing I want to mention to you, have you hired an implementer at all for implementing EOS? So funny enough, I have both hired an implementer and I have also been paid to do that in multiple organizations and multiple businesses over all over the country. So I've done and it. And you both still struggle ways. to get it from here to somebody else? A hundred percent. Because you uh. know what? It's so different when it is somebody else yeah. Yeah, yeah. than it is when it's you. And I think that's no why I, I like bringing in an implementer was one of those things that when we did that with ADPI, it really helped us get a lot of the clarity on putting that stuff down. Um, was it probably yeah. the most, the fastest? I would say in a way, yes, because while it did take more time, you're doing multiple eight hour meetings, you're trying to get all this knocked out. Um, but it would have probably taken us eight months to try to get all of that stuff done to give to all of our people to go through the thing when it was like, okay, well, just, let's do a couple eight hour meetings with an implementer to get this knocked out. So, um, right. Well, yeah. and the other thing on the impl- implementation side too is, you know, I, I, I'm not so I, I'm not so structured to believe that I need to have every single thing that. By the way, mm-hmm. Traction is literally sitting on my desk right here, so I can I can literally see the book as we're. I got my binder right <laughs> here. <Yeah. laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, so it's it's literally right there. And by the way, I got to give a shout out to my man Alex. So his hundred million dollar dude. Yep. What a monster. Um. So. The implementation piece that I also realized was like, all right, well, what's what's the eighty percent? What's the what's the eighty twenty of this giant book in the implementation mm-hmm. of this? Like, where do we need this the most, and how do we make it again simple? Like, how do we make it simple? How do we make it really understandable? And then the second piece. And I, I heard you talking about this and I could feel that like pain or frustration, like how do I, what do I do at the time and how do I actually make it? So if you could see over here, I have a giant four by eight whiteboard mm-hmm. and it has all the different businesses and high points of stuff that I'm working on. 
And then we have this, you know, within those businesses, obviously in traction, we have quarterly goals and rocks and stuff that we're working on. But then literally every day I start the day with gratitude and focus. And I only put three things, uh, no more than three things typically under that focus and recognizing like, okay, what's causing the most pain? What is the biggest challenge? And if you don't, make it clear what's the most important, you're not going to (laughs) know. Like You're not going to get the things done and and have that Mm -hmm. feeling of overwhelm or frustration or whatever that is that's showing up. So, you know, that has been a absolute game changer. Three things of gratitude, three things of focus. That's it. Get through three three things done. And by the way, if that goes on the sheet, it better get done. Hmm. Like there's very seldom a day that those three things and there might sneak in for, uh, that don't get done. Yeah. That's one thing that I've been wanting to been wanting. <clears throat> that's, a, that's probably not the right term to use, but that I've debated doing cause I, I don't like journaling. I don't like, and I, and I say, I don't like journaling as somebody who's never really given it the actual effort. I gave it the old college try, you know, but I haven't like given it right. the actual effort to make sure that I'm actually doing what it needs to do. Um, because I hear nothing, but like everybody I know who journals loves journaling and feels very successful doing it. And like that, it makes sense. Well, the other thing about this is by the way, it, this isn't anything fancy, uh, on Etsy. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, college yes. notebook. And the other thing about it is, I had, you know, notes in Evernote and I had notes in, you know, Apple and whatever. But literally, if you look here, there's some pages that, you know, go go a couple days. But again, it's it's not like a big I'm not making some journal, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. dear diary, you know, today was so hard. It's literally <laughs> the long weekend was wonderful. Excited to be clear in the monthly uh you, financial target starting and keeping my morning routine has been a game changer like mm-hmm. just start with something and the focus is like is specific or big or small or whatever as they are so you don't have to make it something that's huge and daunting yeah. it can literally be three things you're grateful for mm-hmm. three things you're focused on one thing you're focused on all right. I need to add that to my stuff. I'm going to give that to my accountability group and tell them to hold me accountable on that. I need to start doing okay. that. To, yeah. I love it. And by the way, then what you're going to do is you can get the done app. Let me see oh, if boy. we're in that focus. And so then you can track. So I have in mind, I have morning walk, read 10 pages, 10 minutes, vitamins, written gratitude, 150 grams of protein, drink water, floss, I track if I drink booze or not, by the way, which I gave myself accountability for and uh, push-ups, like a little five-minute uh, workout routine. So every day I'm at least walking three, four miles, mm-hmm. doing a little workout, drinking water, gallon of water, uh, 150 grams of protein. Nice. Let's track and, it. Oh, I- don't challenge me too much here. All right, gracious. What's causing? Where, where's the friction? So that this is this is my favorite question. Where does the friction show up? Uh, the friction always shows up in okay. Well, now I'm adding adding something else to my things of things to do. But really, yeah. what I'm doing is clarifying the things that I need to do and putting them in, in in order, right? And making sure that I'm getting the things that are necessary to do, as opposed to just filling the time with things that I know I need. Like I've got a to do list that's a mile long, and it's like okay, well. Th- 
I either get three very important things done or I start checking off all the nonsense that's on my to-do list. So um, yeah. I think that the it's just, okay, well, now I need to implement something else to do something. And that's where my friction is, I think. Well, I like... so. This is a a podcast on books, I guess. Uh, so Atomic <laughs> Habits, James Clear. Yeah, it's a great one. You know, he he. So my one thing from that book, and I talk about it all the time, which is the habit stacking. So mm-hmm. guess what? My habit stack: I get out of bed, I brush my teeth, I put my shoes on, I go outside. Boom! I'm on a walk. That's number one. While I'm on a walk, I'm outside. I'm listening to a book, and. Boom. Now, number two, I get in the house, I take my vitamins, I start water. Boom. Now I've hit four. I walk downstairs, mm-hmm. I write my gratitude and my focus for the day, get in the shower. Boom. Now I'm, I'm literally knock out my pushups. I'm halfway through the 10 or 12 items or whatever within what, an hour? Yeah. Yeah. That so, makes sense. Yeah. And then you did, you're not like getting into your day halfway without something written for, for the focus for that day. You're literally starting the day because you just spent 20, 30 minutes, an hour going mm-hmm. for a walk and having a clear head. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And that's one of the things my accountability group, they were telling me like the, the atomic habits, habit stacking for sure. Like, you know, um, and I, I've, so we, we just yesterday said that we were all going to do a hundred pushups a day. Um, not 700 pushups in a week. 100 push-ups a day that every one of us are challenging each other to. We're going to have to like it because we, we did the a certain amount in a week and then two of us would be, uh, you know, that the, <laughs> right before we get on the call, we're like knocking out 500 push-ups because we had to catch up. But it was like, no, no, no. 100 push-ups a day come day. And again, it's not about the push-ups. 100 push-ups a day is not going to make me, you know, unbelievable. But but getting myself into that habit, doing the thing consistently is what I'm, yeah. I need to train myself to do. And that's the problem that I've had with with uh, um, journaling and all that is I, I don't stay consistent with it because I'm like, you know, I'll wake up one morning and I'm like, well, this is dumb. And then I have a hard time going past the this is dumb stage. And it's like, no, like, it's not dumb. You just don't want to do it because you're not used to doing it yet. Make it a habit. Get used to doing it. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and then also the the key in there is what is causing the friction. Mm-hmm. So I'll give an example on the push-ups. So I don't know if you know a guy named Rich Fetke. He and his wife, Kathy, are amazing investors and uh, people. They live in, in Malibu and they built an amazing business. And But by far, amazing people. I love them mm-hmm. dearly. And he, on, so he's the one that introduced me to the Done app. Uh, and he said, and he's, he's a big, thick dude, very fit. He's like, 10 push-ups. Like, I just do 10. You know, because there were so many days that I, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do 100, but there's so many days mm-hmm. that I used to say like 100 push-ups and I'd do like 40. Well, I failed, but I did 40. Yeah. And so guess what? Mine says 10, do 10. Guess what? Yeah. How many days do I do 10? Very few. Very few. How how many days do I do push-ups? Pretty much every day. Yeah. I, pretty much every day. I, I am I am on day forty-five in a row. Nice. So and there's forty days before that, because I missed a handful of days um in the hospital, no less. Nah, uh, that's but um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sep- sepsis uh is no joke. Ooh, Don't mess around yeah, with that. No kidding. Yeah. Uh but it, it's a game changer. So wherever mm-hmm. the resistance, here, here's, here's the key. Wherever the resistance is, that is where you annihilate. Like, all right, yeah. all right, resistance, I see you. I recognize you. What's the thing that's keeping me from actually 
making that step, take, making that decision. Yeah. I like that. That's, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that and take that one on the chin for sure. Cause I, I've, uh, how many times have I done this to myself and I keep going back to the same thing. And I, then I try to teach my kids about consistency. Well, I need to model consistency. I need to model how that looks. So, um, I appreciate the challenge on that for sure. And, and the, the, the focus. Um, yeah. And, but, and even more so like th- the crazy part is we feel resistance in these things, but then once we actually have it running, we're like, why did I put that off so long? Yeah. Like, because you're only actually doing yourself a, a, a disservice, not having it in, in, in a flow that actually is working because in, in, in truth, it's not working. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's the, and again, I'm only speaking from experience, not, not speaking it to you. So, yeah. And it's funny because I, I feel resistance just talking about it. Because I yeah. know that the second I talk about it and put it in the ether, that that means I need to do something about it. And it's like, yeah. why? Like, I might as well not even talk about it because I don't want to have to go do something about it, you know? <laughs> and it's like, golly, that's so um, just mentioning it out loud is one of those things, you know? And uh, like multiple podcasts ago, I was talking um, about uh, potentially doing homeschool. And that was one of those things that, boy, man, now I'm talking about wanting to do homeschool on a podcast. I'm putting it out there. So people are going to need to know, like, what, like, what am I doing? And it, like, I don't even right. know if I want to say this out loud because I don't know where it's going to go. And it's like, golly, I don't, uh, it, it's tough. You know, what are, you trying, are you trying to say hi to everybody up here? Say hi. Say hi. This, no, dad, I want to put this microphone in my mouth. Yeah, I want to <laughs> eat this microphone. Yeah. I, if you are, if you're only listening, you again, need to go to the YouTube to see this, this face of just. Yeah. There's a very cute, you know, yeah, uh, but you know, when you're, you know, that many, m- many months, uh, or years old, then that's your, your job. <laughs> you're checking yep. it out. <laughs> yep. Just be, be cute and check it all out. Huh? That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, what, what topics have we not be my Dagamo pair back here giving me. I know first um, you had the first you had these and then. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was, I was watching her. Yep. It, you know, you'd expect that out of the children, not out of the 20 year old au pair. I tell you what, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, what, what sort of, what topics would you like to bring up? Cause that's something I, I always want to ask at, uh, um, <laughs> okay. Apparently the kids want to bring stuff up cause now we're getting the party house in here again. Goodness well, gracious. You, you got to have the party. Yeah. yeah apparently. Do you want to tell me something? Do you want to tell Do you want to tell Mr. Nathan something? Just me? Well, right now you're telling everybody who's <laughs> listening to this podcast something. Because we're recording. <laughs> then, uh, no. Ah, oh, gracious. You see, this is the joys of working from home. I love it. Yeah. See? You, yeah. Nailing it. Yeah. You got bunny up, ears, bro? rabbit ears. All the dishes. You wash all the dishes? Because egg was too Oh, egg was stuck on it. Well, good job washing all the dishes, buddy. I like it. All right. Can I can I finish talking to Mr. Nathan here, boys? <laughs> you can leave little Diana because she's not, you know, talking to everybody. But All right. All right. Goodness. But, uh, but no, I want to turn it over to you and kind of see what, uh, what you want to chat about. You've obviously asked a few questions, but I'm sure there's something else that, that may be on your brain or anything that you want to pass along or, or share or anything. What's your, what's your biggest takeaway so far 
or challenge or, you know, positive within homeschooling? Like what, what has changed for you or what's become true that wasn't true before with, with that decision? Um, boy, I, I, I think that, uh, I was very concerned for a few things. One, we've only been doing it for a few weeks, right? So I've got, I've got some time to really get, get into this and, and, and figure out what, uh, what it is. But I think one of the biggest things is how much school has programmed our kids, how quickly, right. And what, I can already see, you know, because I, th- I think it was before we started recording. I was telling you about the homeschooling thing, and and it, I can see how much like I need to it, all the reading that I did beforehand, all the stuff that I was saying reading beforehand was like, hey, you're going to have to unschool your kid, right? They're gonna you're going to have to get them used to not being in school because you're not trying to restructure your homeschool to look like school. You want homeschool to be what your child needs. Yeah. Um, and uh, wowzers. Um, and I don't know if you heard that door slam, but... Oh, I definitely heard that one. Yeah, that was very... Man. Um, but uh, so for me, it's been a lot of, okay, well, how I didn't realize just how much impact that school had on my kids until, especially the oldest one, until now. And now I'm realizing, wow, like every single mistake that he sees every single thing that he's looking at is is a a hit on him personally and it's like mm. man no not at all like this is um you know for me it's it's weird because i am constantly in growth mode constantly and trying to learn something constantly trying to challenge um you know and i'm saying that right after telling myself that i didn't want to do one of these apps because i'm challenging myself right, right. Um, uh, but uh, uh, uh but that's different yeah, exactly. That's, that's very different. Very. <laughs> thank you for agreeing with me on that. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah, yeah. No tongue in cheek at all on that. Not um, at all. So, none of the slightest. Um, so I'd say that's probably the biggest thing that I'm seeing is is and, and my kids have only been to private school, so I could not imagine what that would look like if they had gone to public school on how even more programmed they would have been in in multiple different directions. So yeah, I you know it's interesting because we did not we chose from the beginning. Uh, which again, I think I already mentioned this, but you know, when mm-hmm. COVID hit, we're so I was so grateful. I work from home. We have yeah. you know twelve and a half acres. We have a big house. We have lots of space. We have you know a creek to play in and guns to shoot and things to do and yeah. you know a million things to do. And when we think about the structure of school, it is not conducive to learning. Because you can't have, I was talking to my wife, Stacy about this, and she was an elementary school teacher and she remembered having one year where she had like 10 or 11 kids, which imagine 10 or 11, you know, unless you're, you know, a good Catholic, my, my dad was a preacher, so he can get away with it. But, you know, good, good practicing Catholic or good Baptist, I think is what he said, you know, you're probably not having 10 or 11 kids yeah. you know, homeschooling. but that was a small class. You know, when the teacher now has 20 or 30 kids or more, yeah. how can you possibly do a good job for 30 mm-hmm. kids? It doesn't make sense. It, there's a fancy $5 word call, called anathema, right? It's anathema. It does not make any sense. Yeah. And so, for us, it's like, if, if your kid is having an absolutely awful day, like, all right, son, 
you're going to take a half an hour and you're going to go outside and you're going to jump on the trampoline. Yeah. And then you're going to come back in and we're going to make another go at it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what? We're studying unicorns because Grace's favorite animal is a unicorn, which by the way, <laughs> is the country's animal of, of Scotland, which I learned this week. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my parents were there. That's where their trip was. And uh, my daughter now has a very floofy topped uh, uh, wool cap of the uh, unicorn. Scotland's. Now you know something. Now you learned. Yeah. Now you learned. I just learned something for sure. Uh, so why not have fun with it? And guess what? How many people are going to a factory to go work, you know, when they're, when they're 16? Uh, yeah. Not many. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, that's what we're teaching them to, to, to do in our, our school system. Yeah. And yeah, and all the, all the tests and all the nonsense. So anyway, I could go on at ad nauseum about this because it frustrates me to no end, which is why we made the choices that we did. And, and uh, yeah, I think the kids are better for it. And we as the adults are better for it too. I, I am looking forward to that comfort. Um, right now, of course, it's still fresh. It's still new. I know that I'm doing the right thing, um, yeah. but it's just, it's not comfortable yet. You know what I mean? Like there's still a lot of, of work to go through. We're, we're about to go on the first trip um, that at the time we're recording this, we're about to go on the first trip that is, that I'm including homeschool on, right? Mm. Um, we're going up to Philadelphia for some masterminding and, and whatnot. So I was like, man, we're going to go a few days early. We're going to spend a few days in Philadelphia. I'm going to teach American history. You're going to see where the Declaration of Independence is. We're going to go check some stuff out. And, I love it. And go to the Liberty Bell and learn about American history there, right? And then I look forward to when we're learning about World War II, you know, let's, let's go on a trip to Poland. Yeah. Right? Oh, my like, gosh. Let's, let's do a field trip to Poland, you know, as a family and go check out what it what world war ii actually was you know and go mm. walk through auschwitz and go see where you know the, the panzers came up over the hill and, and talk about all of the stuff that was going on and um the experience that they get to have with that i think it's going to be like unbelievable like i i really look forward to like i said i know i'm doing the right thing it's just not comfortable yet you know? yeah well and there's so many resources now too when you think of mm-hmm. you know when we were kids <clears throat> people are thought of like that they didn't have as much interaction or they weren't as sociable or whatever. And I truly believe it's actually the opposite because you get, you have interaction with adults, you have interaction with Mm -hmm. other kids, you have uh, different, you know, obviously everybody's different how they structure it, but you know, our kids, (laughs) they're, they're, they're so much more socialized than the 20 kids in their classroom or 30 kids in their classroom. And so, yeah, it's, it's, and you get a, to you get to cater their environment. You get to yeah. You know, it's not just the uh, luck of the draw on which twenty kids they're next to in class. You're like, no, like these are the types of people I want my kids around, and I am making sure that they're around those types of people, um, as opposed to just you know, well, I don't I don't know what Susie's dad does at home uh, right. that is exposing Susie to whatever that is now next to my daughter. Like yep. I know that, but I do know who this person is that I go to church with, and I you know. Uh, these people that are there, my kids are exposed to. And, um, you know, we've got a huge homeschool network in this area where I'm at. And it, um, I mean, they've got their own sports teams. They've got their own, uh, you know, they have uh, instructors for teaching various different things. And they've got all sorts of events they go to. And like, we're going to, I'm looking at going to one of the Tampa, Tampa Bay lightning games. Um, oh, in the near cool. future with a bunch of homeschool. Like, so they get exposed to all sorts of people and all sorts of things like you were saying. And we get to kind of, 
cater their environment to what I think is best for them as opposed to what the school thinks is best for them. So that's amazing. Uh, you, uh, you are making me feel better about, about this, you know, cause again, and everything that I read beforehand was like, you're going to feel like you're failing miserably for a little <laughs> while. You're going to feel like your kids are going to be dumber because they're learning from you. You're going to feel like all this stuff. And sure enough, like it's there. And I, so I know that it's happening because that's just part of the process. But, um, but man, I, I look forward to the fact that the other two kids, um, so Rourke is starting kindergarten next next year he's kind of like doing some some kindergarten stuff now but he's not officially yeah. in kindergarten um uh so i look forward to the fact that he does he's not going to have to go to a normal school and we get to really cater his his upbringing um to that so boy that one question we really just start talking about a lot of stuff yeah it, well it's a blessing and in, in also normal school we get to change what normal means yeah and for sure. and also you know it's cool when you start to see your older kids helping the younger kids too right yep. and and or maybe your younger kids actually better at something and it, it's there's a cooperation there's a uh that investment of relationship that you just don't get if you're you know in a school mm-hmm. it's eight or nine or ten hours or whatever it is a day and uh, so it's it's a huge blessing I was literally just talking about that with with my my partner Mark Young. Um, we just had a, a same page meeting today with you know an EOS same page meeting. So he and I went out, and sure. hung out with each other for hours and hours today. But um, that was one of the things that brought up. It's like my son was going to school eight and a half hours a day, and then he'd come yeah. home and he'd have an hour or two of homework. And I was like, he's putting in more hours than a, a normal adult at a W two. Like this doesn't. This doesn't make sense to me. I could, I, it, I was, it was flabbergasting. I, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And then, uh, uh, yeah, it, it is a massive blessing to be able to do this at work from home and be able to look at, look, look out this and watch the boys play around and have fun. They're playing with the puppy They're You know, Adam's doing some math homework literally right now. He's just over there. He, he just took a break and now he's, now he's back to doing math. And it's like, golly, what a blessing this is to just, I'm, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. So. I'm glad, I, and I can't wait to hear in, in future adventures how it's how it's going. Yeah, we're gonna have to uh, try to link up in one of those mountainous areas and get all of our like get the families out snowboarding and actually get to hang out and uh, do some do some uh, homeschooling together and see some like I I don't I don't know I think that would be a lot of fun to to it would be to do blast. something like that. Yeah, yeah it'd be but, awesome. All right, well, Nathan, I uh, am extremely grateful that you came and hung out. Um, and, uh, and chatted for a while. I am, uh, uh, I would have never guessed that I'd be sitting here talking to you for almost two hours when we first met and going through all the stuff, and, but man, I, I, I love having these conversations. I never know where they're going to go. I never know what we're going to talk about. And, um, you certainly did not disappoint. And I thank you so much for, for hanging out with me and, and, and sharing your wisdom. And, um, I look forward to the next time we get to see each other in person again, but, um, is there anything else that you want to, you want to share last minute or, or tell, Tell folks how they can uh, get a hold of you if they want to reach out in one way, shape, or form. Yeah, of course. Um, well, it's been a pleasure, and I, I do a, be on a mountain anytime. Uh, it's one of my favorite places, favorite things. Uh, carrying a rifle or not, uh, mm-hmm. hiking or hunting, I've just I, I have a passion, huge passion for both. And uh, so to connect with me, uh, I I made it real easy. So LinkedIn, Facebook, you know. Uh, all, all of the all of the uh, socials are all the same at Nathan Brooks REI, and um, if you are somebody who's trying to get after doing some real estate stuff, uh, don't know where to start. Uh, we love 
We love helping people. It's a huge passion for me. So definitely reach out and love to help you uh, buy that first rental, make that first flip. And uh, above all, man, uh, I just want, I want people to walk away from this conversation with two guys who aren't perfect. Well, I won't speak for you, mm-hmm. but I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect investor, not a perfect dad, not a perfect um, person, but I work at it every day. And the people that people look up to work on themselves and they work mm-hmm. on their craft and they work on uh, being a better dad and, and better husband. And don't be afraid of the work. Don't be afraid of the hard stuff because that's where the learning, that's where the growth happens. And uh, that's where the joy comes from because without the hard stuff, we wouldn't know what the great, wonderful, joyful stuff is. Much agreed. Man, that's uh, phenomenal. Thank you so much again, Nathan. Greatly appreciated. I look forward to this one uh, This one getting released. Uh, if you can yep. stick around for a minute, i got uh, a little bit more to chat with you about. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Um, please reach out to Nathan. If I'm, I am 1,000% positive he can help you out in one way, shape, or form. Um, so uh, uh, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.